You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. Wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day every week to listen to us. And to those of you that find us and then binge listen to us, I want to say thank you for joining we, us. We feel the love. Love it. <laughs> we also love hearing from our listeners. So send us any kind of emails with questions, comments, concerns, clarifications, ideas, suggestions, topics. It does not matter. Send them to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And I do want to chime in and say how seriously we take each and every email. You you may not hear back from us immediately, but the reality is, is we have a huge collection of of a file of just different suggestions for jo- for shows, different yeah. questions, different comments, different complaints. We keep it all, and, yep. and we we look at it very analytically, and we take your suggestions very sincerely, and we we love that you give us the fodder from week to week to jump on this program that we use and to just gallop because we're just responding to what you're asking for. Yep. So thanks for asking for what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we want you to do also is to join us at the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway that's coming up in September, September 17th through the 20th here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's an easy flight into DFW. The hotel is just north. It's going to be a true getaway where... It'll just be a fantastic time with your spouse, with other couples, with us. We, we hope you plan to join us. Do you remember when you were a kid and like a, a, a big exciting event was coming up and you literally kept tick marks of how many more days until that big day arrives? Yeah, that wasn't me. That wasn't you? <laughs> no. Well, wait, I, I, that was me as a kid. Like I live in the future, so I'm always looking forward to, you know, what's happening next? What's happening next? And I remember like advent calendars were a big right. thing in my house as the right. kids are growing you know, like ticking down the days until Christmas morning. That is the same energy that I feel when I think about this sexy marriage radio getaway. I am ticking down the days and it seems like fresh ideas are coming each and every day. I feel like we could have a month with our listeners and still not have all the fun and all the conversations that we could have about this really rich and complex topic. Absolutely. Because after the first week, everybody involved in the whole thing is different. So we can yeah. talk different levels then. <laughs> I, I think everybody's going to be different after the first day. Yes. I, I think that we're going to see some couples really getting smitten and sweet on each other within 24 hours. Yep. So we want you to join us. And you can do that by just heading to our website, sexymarriageradio.com. That will lead you to the main pages that you need to find that will allow you to register. So I hope you will plan to join us. Yeah. Hey, uh, Corey, I have I have discovered... The fun of just going to YouTube and finding out what's trending. <laughs> okay. And I don't know if you've fallen into this pastime or not. Not that I have a ton of time to pass, but somebody in my Blast class, I did this mentorship class for aspiring writers and speakers called Blast, and somebody had submitted a video where she was talking about this particular YouTube clip that had gone viral. But okay. it wasn't ringing a bell for me. So I put in the keywords that she was using to describe this video clip and I laughed my butt off. (laughs) And this little kid was actually featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show that same week that I discovered it. But it's this little boy who's having this standoff argument with his mom. Okay. 
and she has basically caught him with his hand in the cookie jar, literally. And he just keeps standing there with his hands on his hips going, but Linda, but Linda, look at, look at, look at Linda. You're not listening. You're not listening. He just keeps going on and on and he will not stop. And I'm just thinking, okay, this kid has got to grow up to be a lawyer or else <laughs> <laughs> it would be a crying shame. But just the, the standoff between mother and son is quite comical. But the re like oh. I do this all the time, and if I go out at the, at the house with the door, Matthew has his toys, and then Matthew has all his toys. Okay, okay. that's that's but good. I have to yell at you guys. That's good. Yeah, but, and, and, and the mother is trying so hard. She's trying so hard to get through to this kid, but he is so convinced. But Linda, you're not listening. You're not listening. You're, look at look at look at Linda. You're not listening. Where he gets off calling his mother Linda, I really want to know. <laughs> but it reminds me of the way that some couples approach conversations about sex. Yes. That it's really what, not like a toddler. It, yeah, that it's really not a conversation. It's right. not a two-way communication where I'm seeking to listen and learn right. and absorb and process. That it's really more of a, but look at, look at, you're not listening. You're right. not listening. It's really about, I want to be heard. And I'm going to force my opinion down your throat until you swallow it and digest it. And it does not work that way. And so I know that a lot of listeners hear our shows from week to week. And sometimes they are really licking their wounds over things that they have asked for over right. and over, especially the show last week. I asked for what I want. I've asked for it over and over, but I never get it. I just really want to encourage everybody to press the pause button and ask yourself, what's my approach been? And could the problem be in your approach? Right. More so than your spouse isn't listening. Right. Maybe your spouse is well aware of what you've said. Maybe they're even somewhat interested in doing what you've asked them to do, but because you're asking it with such a demeaning, demanding, accusatory tone, it makes them want to dig in their heels merely out of rebellion. Sure. So let's talk about the dynamic in, the, in, in human relationships of when we feel forced or coerced or manipulated or that there's expectations on us versus merely an invitation to dialogue about a topic that's very, very important to us both in this relationship that we both find so well, much comfort and connection and okay, security in. But, but first off, let's also be clear that it may not be comfortable for both. Meaning what? One may not want it. One may, it may not be important. You oh know, yeah, that's th true. Somebody, you know, sex could be a part of the marriage. Yeah, they see it, but it's not that big a deal at all. They could live without it. And that's a reality. That that, that is, is a reality. True. But here's I guess I can only speak from experience on this and from what I've seen with my clients is the reality is is that if you can help someone understand not just what you want, but why you want that and what it would represent to you. Yeah. You can help them look at that activity through a completely different lens. Right. But if they have no idea, I mean, let's just say, for example, oral sex, because that does seem to be a point of contention in many couples relationships. Okay. So let's say the guy is saying, why don't you ever go down on me? You never go down on me only on my birthday. And that's once a year or, you know, whatever. Right. He has no idea how she even perceives oral sex and what that represents to her. Right. 
he has no idea, you know, maybe that was something that she was forced to do at three or four years old. And, or, or maybe she feels as if that was something that her preacher growing up said was animalistic or wasn't holy or right. whatever. Or maybe the first few times that she tried doing it, he put his hand on the back of her head and forced it in her mouth so deep that she felt like she was getting a new hole ripped in her throat. Yeah, like there's a wide variety of reasons right. why whatever it represents to her is totally different than what it represents to him. Absolutely, because there's meaning attached that's different for everybody, for everything. Everybody's experiences are totally different. Yep. But for a couple to say, let's stop arguing about this activity and let's talk about what it really represents for you. And so I would imagine that for men, it's no different from women, that to have someone go down on you, for lack of a better expression, mm -hmm. to me, it really represents a complete and total acceptance of like, literally, you are good enough to eat. Yeah. Like, literally, you are worthy of all of my senses being fully engaged and not just close, but engaged in yep. to those intimate parts of your body. Yep. That there's nothing that says I love you like oral sex. There is sure. nothing that says I accept you and I receive you like yep. oral sex. But for the person that has a completely different perspective, it can be a very painful proposition to think my husband or wife expects this of me. Right. And if it if all that's ever taken place is arguments about it instead of conversation about it, I don't think that they can expect to have a big breakthrough. Right. So they need to frame the way they approach it differently. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that one of the biggest triggers for any spouse, like I, I watched a couple have a conversation. Um, it was probably the closest thing to an actual conversation they had ever had with each other because they were in my presence. It's amazing how, when you get a counselor or a coach <laughs> or a mediator or somebody to just referee it's amazing how you choose your words far yeah, more carefully. It, it allows, it gives them the safety to know it's not going to spiral out of control. And sometimes they, they really do say what's, what needs to be said in a different way. Well, and it causes you to choose your words more carefully right. so that you don't come across looking like the biggest jerk right. so, you know, just acting so selfishly. Right. So anyway, they were having this, this conversation. And what I noticed is that there were times when she literally, I could see it physically. She was, shrinking into her shell. Okay. And I would notice that it was usually when he was using words such as always or never. And quite honestly, when we started out, I mean, this is a couple that I've done three, six hour intensives with, I mean, they are serious about having a breakthrough in their marriage relationship right. after 18 years, 19 years, they are, they are so ready for this finding your sexual groove thing, but it's going to, it's just required a lot of communication. But what I assumed when they first started out because of how this had been presented to me by the, by the spouse who initiated the coaching intensive is that one of them was not wanting to have sex ever at all. Okay. The other one felt as if he never gets sex. But as I began talking to them and asking questions and hearing her explain her perspective, I kind of challenged him and said, it doesn't sound as if you never get sex at all. It sounds like you get sex somewhat frequently. You're just not satisfied with the quality of the sex. Right. But to say that she's frigid and you never get sex 
I don't think that anything could be further from the truth. And she was just kind of like, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> defending because she had been told so many times, you're just holding out on me. You're just being frigid. You're just being uptight. You're just being a prude. And maybe he wasn't saying that with those exact words, right. but that's basically what his communication was saying. So she was literally shutting down in defense Yeah. because she felt like no matter what I offer you, you're never going to give me credit. Yeah. And I asked him point blank. I said, are you afraid that if you ever tell her that that particular sexual encounter that you guys just had was very fulfilling and was more than enough, then she will never strive to like bridge the gap between where you guys are and where you want to be. And he said, that's exactly it. I'm so afraid that she will just settle down into this rut. Right. When what I really want is more, more, more. And I was like, but you got to choose your words far more carefully so that she's not shutting down. Yeah. And so I'll just give one more example about that. And then I want to, cause I know that you work with so many similar case studies with your clients as well. So I'm sure that you can chime in, but one of the, one of the things he had a tendency to do is to use analogies to try to communicate his point. And this guy's a lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. Okay. And so sometimes these analogies would be hard for her to argue against <laughs> okay. that she's not a lawyer, but I called his attention to the fact that these analogies are very, very hurtful because the main one that comes to mind is he was saying how, well, yeah, I get oatmeal sex once in a while. I get cold oatmeal sex once in a while, but what I really want is like, you know, the steamy filet mignon type of sex. And I ask her, how do you feel being compared to a cold breakfast cereal? And she was just like, again, thank you very much. Right. That is so offensive to me. Right. When the reality was, is that he liked really high energy, lights on, I'm visually stimulated. Right. You're acting out, you're role playing. Like he liked a high energy type of, we called it stage experience, where lights, action, camera, boom, we're at full throttle. Whereas her preference, she just felt a lot of performance anxiety with that type of, of, of sexual encounter. She sure. didn't want it to be that way every time. She was willing to have it be that way some of the times because she saw that that was really important to him. Right. But what she really preferred as far as her personal imprint, what, her template for, for pleasure, is she just liked it when she didn't need to dress up. She didn't need to put on a show that just her naked just her in a bra and panty, just her in a in one of his t-shirts was enough to arouse him, to make him want to put his arms around her, pull her close, spoon, kiss on her neck, that they make sweet love under the covers, that that to her was intimacy, but he was calling that cold oatmeal sex. Okay. And I explained to him that it's, it's, that it's just the opposite of stage sex. She wants shell sex she wants to be able to retreat and withdraw together with you inside her shell inside the cocoon of the comforter and just bask in i am good enough i am good enough yep i don't have to be a porn star or try to be somebody that i'm not and so we talked about how you guys want the same thing you both want a vibrant healthy frequent sex life but your definitions of what brings you pleasure is just very, very different. But who's to say one of you is right and one of you is wrong? Exactly. But to stop calling it cold oatmeal sex was absolutely vital for her to ever feel safe enough with him. Well, now he calls it shell sex. And every time we have met, he tells me how much fun he has discovered in having shell sex. Yep. 
But just knowing that this is what floats her boat and that he's choosing to enter into that show with her, it's completely reframed the experience for Right, him. because if he enters that world more present, it changes it rather than just a reluctant, oh, okay, here we go. If this is as good as it gets, then I guess I'll just take it. Right. It felt like mercy sex to him. But what an insult to her to feel as if just me, just in our bedroom, all natural, no lights, no camera, yeah. no, just organic. I, yeah. I kept calling it organic sex. Right. Just, just making love well, naturally, organically as it unfolds. That meant the world to her. And so it, it wasn't that she was frigid at all. Right. It's amazing how one little word like that will shut a spouse down so fast. Well, it's also and interesting how, you know, sex is much more fun and enjoyable when it's with another person rather than a role or a game or a ideal or even a fantasy. Exactly. That it's a whole other person that you get invited into the world. And, and I've had times where couples have explained their sex life to me. And, and I'll, and my response to him would be, um, it sounds to me like you guys have sex with different people, <laughs> you know, that neither of you are really present, you know, and they, and they're in a monogamous relationship, but it's just this whole, because they weren't really willing to be present and be vulnerable and be open and be authentic and follow a connection and, you know, let it all unfold. Cause they had such a preconceived notion of, no, this is the way it's supposed to happen. Exactly. And if it's not happening this way, you must not be into it. Right. That's the same thing I've had with Pam on, I would want her to initiate more and I would always be complaining. She never did. until I realized, yes, yeah, she does. It's just completely different than the way I do. Oh, can you give some case studies, not asking you to dig too personal into your own sex life, but the reality is, is there are people out there who really don't know how to initiate in any other way besides what comes natural to them. So what would be some examples of the various ways that men and women well, initiate I think, with one I, another and maybe you don't even catch it? Yeah, I, I think like I'll just use my own life that, you know, I, to me, initiating is being very overt in the sense of grab you by the hand lead you to the bed or wherever and get going. Okay. That's a, that's a pretty so obvious you, a physical, initiation. For you, it's a physical lead into the right. actual activity. Right. But what I recognized is what Pam would do because she's the type of woman that she would occasionally take the reins, but that she wanted the reins handed right back to me. You know, she wanted me to take the lead in a large part of our sexual relationship. She wanted to be receptive, which is fine, and I think that's kind of the way women are wired. So mm -hmm. it works. And notice well. I said, pa notice I said, receptive, not passive. Right. Which are two very Huge different difference. words with very different right. connotations. So what I discovered is, she initiates by the real subtle ways, where she is intentionally loading something in the dishwasher so that I get a glimpse down her shirt. <laughs> She's intentionally walking by and brushes past my shoulder. She's mm -hmm. intentionally, and those are not overtly sexual things of like, Hey, take me right now. Those are, I'm into you. But it is kind of like a baboon presenting. Yeah. That's what we mammals do. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's just kind of a, it's a playful, it's a, but I always saw that as just, Oh, she's just teasing. She's just, but that's, but that's it. That's what it is. That's initiating. That's because that fits into, and what changed it for me was that fits into the sex is how I do life.
and how I do life is how I do sex. So if we have a little more of a sexual banter and playfulness to us, a teasing, a flirting, that's part of life. That's who we are. And that all is fuel for later whenever we do have a chance to be together. So it's recognizing that you could be getting what you're really wanting. And I see this a lot in couples is you're getting what you're asking for. You just don't see it because it's not in the manner in which you do it. I'm going to ask you to say that again, <laughs> that it's so vital. Well, but it's true that you're getting what you're asking for most of the time. You just don't see it because it's not in the manner in which you would do it. That's the same idea is if you are the type of person that when you are battling a cold or a sickness, you feel comforted by being waited on. If that's if that's who you are, you want Greg to bring you soup and, and, and a and a blanket Fries. and yep. prop your head up and be be all be all hands on all hands on with you while you're sick. If that's what makes you feel good, you barging in when he's sick and doing what makes you feel good may not work with him, and likely it won't, because we're usually sure, married to somebody that's to different. Alone. Yeah, that's, we're married to somebody that's different than us. And so just because something makes me feel good does not mean it's going to make my partner feel good if I do what I want. So it's recognizing how else could they be showing what I'm really wanting? How else could they be initiating conversations or leading it or taking charge or whatever it is I may be looking for? Well, and simply asking yourself, what is the tone of the energy that they are exuding? Because sure. when Pam tries to show you a little peep at her breast when she's loading a dishwasher, that's positive sexual energy Absolutely. flowing right there. And so to give credit where credit is due that, well, the in, the energy that I am getting at least is positive. That's yeah. a good sign. That is taking initiative. That is fueling the pump here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just recognizing that a lot of times we don't see something because we're only looking for the way we would do it and it's common sense it makes it makes complete sense because that's what we that's what we know that's how we know it right so we don't know what we don't know right right that's where you know you and i both have the was, same example with our spouses i can look at an excel spreadsheet and be confused glaze over yeah, yeah. my wife looks at it or greg looks at it it's like oh yeah i know exactly oh done found it you know and yeah. and, and it's just well, it reminds it reminds me we're seeing all these different doctors right now about all this sleep apnea stuff that is running in our family we are learning but yet so many doctors have misdiagnosed in my natural pathic doctor he made the observation he said don't be too upset that they that they haven't recognized the root of the problem because the i can't see what the mind can't fathom right and it's like oh that is so true yep. that they're doing the best that they can but the reality is is each one of the three different doctors that we've seen all look through different lenses yep. based on their experiences and based on their own life. Yep. So yeah, to learn to try to look through your spouse's lens of, uh, you know, what is it that they're telling me that they need? And am I choosing my words very, very carefully? Right. Am I looking for opportunities to genuinely sit down and have like a chat over tea or a soda or coffee or whatever versus standing in the kitchen with my fists curled thinking, but you never, you right. never like that. Right. I'll never forget one of the great analogies that I read. I think that the book is called gifts from the heart and it's about communication. Randy Fugition is the, the guy who wrote it, but it's called slack cutting, cutting each other some slack and S L A C K stands for sit 
listen, ask, compromise, and kiss. Now okay. he says to sit because to stand is what boxers do in a boxing ring. Right. That to sit immediately disarms you both and says, I trust you because you don't sit in the presence of an enemy. You stand in the presence of an enemy. Right. You sit in the presence of a friend. Right. You listen. It's not about your spouse listening to you. Look at, look at, look at, listen. You're not listening. You're not listening. It's you hearing their heart. And then ask questions to make sure that you interpret it correctly. Right. And then maybe ask them to consider a perspective of yours, but it's not a you're forcing it down their throat and using uh, accusatory words like always or never or name calling or et cetera. And then compromise is just how can we feel as if we're both getting what we want and what we need and kind of call an end to this standoff? How can we call a truce to this and get back on the same page where our energies are flowing in a positive direction and we're feeling loved and affirmed by one another? Right. And then the final thing is just seal the deal with a kiss. Right. Don't end the conversation without that sign of, I totally accept you. I love you. I, I, I desire to please you and you turn me on. Right. What do you think? That's, Slack. That, that's good. We, I think we kind of do something similar. We just change it to uh, assume a positive intent that whenever one of us reacts poorly to something, if the other person can assume a positive intent with that reaction, that it, it disarms it a little bit to where it's like, okay, wait, I, I'm not being attacked here. What could be being said here? Okay. So basically you're giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt, right. that they're not cutting trying them, to make uh, me feel the way that I'm feeling. We're cutting them some slack. There you go. All right, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's that idea that, you know, cause this is the one thing that's interesting about marital communication, just any kind of communication is, well, you need to watch your tone in the way you talk to me. You know, that, that, that's something that's very common that's said. And what I'm saying is I want you to approach me better. But at the same time, I can handle you better and your tone. Just because you have a bad tone does not mean I have to react to the tone. I could look for what's underneath it and assume a positive intent and deal with the message and kind of let you look foolish on your own because your tone is kind of letting you look foolish. There you go. See, that is why Greg and I get along so well because I'm actually – you know, the, I, I'm the more intense arguer person, but he makes it so unfun because he doesn't respond in kind. <laughs> and I feel as if I would be arguing with a stop sign yep. before long if I didn't change my stance and yeah. recognize he's not stooping to my level and I need to rise to his level. Yep. I do love that about Greg. Yep. He may be a man of few words, but at least the words that he does speak are never they're never always and never they're never accusatory they're never belittling they're never right um, they're never insulting yeah yeah and to ask yourself you know if your spouse is shutting down are you insulting them are you belittling them are you minimizing them are you more concerned with being heard rather yeah. than hearing how they're feeling yeah are you entering into their shoes and looking through the situation through their lens and understanding that because they have very different experiences you, they're going to have very different feelings about this topic than you. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they won't talk about a certain subject, what are you doing to contribute to their not talking about it? Yeah. I heard Nicole Johnson, she was the dramatist with Women of Faith. I heard her and her husband say something on one of their video tapes about the biggest thing that we will need to forgive our spouse for over and over is not being us <laughs> yep 
Isn't that That's usually good. the problem is that we get mad because our spouse doesn't think like us, doesn't talk like us, doesn't act like us, doesn't initiate like us, or doesn't respond like us or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. It's really all about, you would really love to be married to a clone of yourself, but I just don't think that would be any fun. Oh, no, no, no. And it no, wouldn't no, be no. the marriage, marriage wouldn't be the people growing machine like there you would talk be about. No, there would be no energy in that kind of a marriage. I hadn't thought about it being in terms of energy, be but none. Yeah. it'd be so monotonous and boring and routine, there, right? There'd be no tension, no <laughs> surprise, no yep. excitement, no challenge. Yep. Uh, and I also think about how the amoeba, if you put an amoeba in a Petri dish where there is no tension, where it's perfect temperature, just perfect environment, do you know it'll actually die? Yeah. Yeah. That it has to have tension. It has to have challenge to continue growing. Yep. We're the same way. Well, we're little amoebas. We're big amoebas. That's exactly it. That's where. That's what marriage is. That. Um, that's why I can easily sit there and hear from a couple, and they explain all the conflict that's going on, and they're coming in with this mindset that there's something going wrong, and I can immediately say to them, "Hey, what else is going on? Because what you're talking about, there's nothing going wrong." Because you're actually more on the same page than you think you are. Yep. yep. Well, I want to encourage you, based on what everything that you just talked about, Shannon, that when it comes to this whole topic, that to talk or argue about it that you probably already are talking about it so what can you do to get out of your own way and and hear it differently look for it look for it differently because it's probably there yeah reframe it yep look at it through a different lens because that helps a yeah. tremendous way and if you need some real in-depth help with that you know what you should do is come to the sexy marriage radio getaway there you go we'll great talk, segue there pal we'll talk more about that uh to a degree on just how do we get in our own way and then how do we kind of experience more once yeah. we get out of our own way that's the whole goal how do we get to those deeper levels of intimacy that we all crave i love we it all do well as wherever you are whatever you're doing thanks for taking time out to listen to us and we'll see yep. you next time god bless